sports, and politics. While your favourite uncle may crow in the comment section, politics and sport don't mix, or let the players play, dusting off any history book will lead you to the same conclusion. They have mixed, they do mix, and they will forever mix. On an international scale, we have the Olympics Black Power Salute, or even Muhammad Ali refusing to fight during the Vietnam War. These events traverse the globe and are etched in the fabric of society. Now locally, we've had the Springbok Tour and subsequent Olympics fallout, and TJ Padanada's recent support for the peaceful occupation of Ihumatao. But this episode isn't an in-depth oral history to those events. It'll never be as good as your year 11 history teacher, and as loyal listeners know, that's Kai's bag. What I'm trying to do is answer the question, what place does athlete activism have in New Zealand? Grab a cup of coffee, a tea or your favourite hot beverage, and let's unpack. And before I go into it, I can already predict the why do you care about athlete activism crowd. Simple point. Athletes have influence. They have more followers, more fans, and occupy more of your mind than any politician in this country. In New Zealand specifically, we use sport to create ideas of our national identity and characters, especially men. It provides symbol of race and gender, and also our place in the world. Often when you head overseas, the first thing people reference is the All Blacks. As a little year seven, my life was flipped upside down when my parents told me, we're moving to New Zealand, and you know why? I'm just not built for rugby, I mean I was a sport obsessed little kid at the time, but my scrawny little ass is not going anywhere near a rugby field. Which segues us nicely to the Springbok Tour. South Africa's apartheid regime pressured All Black selectors into excluding non-white players from some of the All Blacks tours to South Africa. In 1973, the Labour government prevented a Springbok tour to New Zealand, and in response, the NZRU protested the involvement claiming politics should not be involved in sports. Now in 1981, the Springboks arrived in New Zealand under a veil of controversy after the then national-led government argued New Zealand is a free and democratic country, and that politics should in fact stay out of sport. As you may know, a number of protests occurred, with people unhappy that the tour was going on. Now, I would characterise this as sport being used as a vehicle for politics. Sport was a pawn in a chess match between New Zealand and South Africa regarding their stance towards apartheid. The athletes themselves weren't activists. While I acknowledge the athletes may have had their opinions, and they may have even publicly stated them, the decision wasn't taken out of their hands and they did not start the conversation. Now when it comes to Ihumatao, I won't be able to cover the narratives and perspectives of this in less than a minute, but there's this podcast called Unpack that does in fact <laughs> unpack it. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. No, please stop. Hey, Julie, no, you killed it today. You killed it today. Thank you. Yep, I am here all night. Starting in July 2017, TG Padanada very publicly showed support for Ihumatao. Most notably, on August 17th in a match against Australia, he wrote it on his wrist strapping. He then doubled down on his solidarity by heading to Ihimatao to support those involved in the peaceful occupation. And the key point to understand is this. TJ Padanada wasn't asked to say anything. He wasn't asked to be a spokesperson or to bring the conversation to wider audience, but he did. He wasn't expected to do so, but he did. He did so on his own volition, knowing that it's a divisive issue, and that the powers that be would prefer him to... Shut up and dribble. So when I look at New Zealand athlete activism, this, to me, is a quintessential example. 
so I've shown you these two contrasting sides. In the case of the Springbok tour, sport was used as a vehicle to advance political discourse by politicians. On the other hand, TJ Paranata's support for Ihumatao was athlete activism in its purest form. So I'm proposing a scale. On one end, sport slash athletes used as a vehicle for politics, and on the other, athletes proactively being activists. The athlete activism continuum, trademark coming soon. And canvassing the internet for other examples of athlete activism, the results, well, were sporadic. Olympic pole vaulter Eliza McCarthy has lent her voice to a number of sustainability campaigns in recent years. Brad Weber breaking the quote-unquote rugby code of science and tweeting his disgust about Israel Folau's comments, and ironically saying, kind of sick of us players staying quiet on some of this stuff. I can't stand that I have to play this game that I love with people like Folau, who says what he's saying. This is a stark lack of open athlete activism in New Zealand. And it presents to me a few questions. Why do athletes not engage in these type of conversations? Should New Zealand athletes engage in these type of conversations? Are there limits to where and when they should express their opinions? Do we only accept some form of activism from athletes? And should it be an expectation we have in our athletes? And if you know me, you know I could absolutely go on talking to myself in this cold windowless basement sprouting my theories, but I wanted to get another opinion. Look, I love sport, but the peak of my athletic pursuit is somewhere between winning a fantasy basketball championship or beating my mum in squash. So I reached out to Alice Soper. Kia ora. Kia ora, Alice. Now, Alice is an outspoken athlete who's known for running it straight and speaking in the same manner. As such, she has a pretty good idea of what athlete activism means to her. Activism is when you're giving voice to the issues that matter to you. Uh, and ideally, that talk should lead to action. <laughs> um, sometimes it doesn't, though. There's Absolutely. greater or lesser uh, skin in the game there. But yeah, I think it's ultimately when you're choosing to speak and give voice to things that matter. And as I said prior, I couldn't find many examples of athlete activism in New Zealand. So naturally, I asked Alice if I'd missed any and what role sports can have in this space. I think this is something where we see flashpoints of things that are uh, hot in terms of, you know, issues of the day. I don't know how many examples you can think off the top of your head, though, where that has necessarily been sparked by the athletes themselves. Mm. Um, I think, you know, Quite you know, that that whole idea of sports and politics don't mix. Well, that was a Muldoonism, um, and that were you know came out of the Springbok tour. But let's be real, that wasn't the rugby players that were generating that feeling. That was, you know, that was the activists around it. And so I think sometimes sports can be a tool to kind of highlight social inequity, mm. but I don't think it's very common for that to be coming from, you know, the call to be coming from inside the house, as yeah. it were. Now, shockingly, she agreed with me in a sense that there aren't many, if any, examples of athletes leading the conversations. So it was a case of asking why. To begin with, we touched on tall poppy syndrome and how we have a culture where we want our athletes to run fast, kick the ball, hit sixes, get buckets, and just stay quiet. I think it's probably like a couple of things just like culturally, right? Where we've got a bit of a um, tall poppy. <laughs> syndrome right like yeah. and that whole like humility and stuff so it's like why are you bigger than the sport than yourself mm. why are you making it about you um and so i think that probably frames some of it where it's like 
just to be just to be like confidently winning is yeah. is like what Seems are you doing are you yeah doing? right yeah. so let alone using that to soapbox about something you care about they'd be like what are you talking about just kick the ball you know the fact that new zealand is a very small country and when you're operating in the upper echelon in any sport you're likely to rub shoulders with the people you may be criticizing it's almost like th- how small it is like you're so yeah. you're so attached to everything so there's probably uh, like there's not enough degrees of separation the fear people may have in rocking the boat people are just stoked to be here still (laughs) (laughs) they're like oh i don't don't want to rock the boat like and i think that's the other thing too right new zealand is very much like she'll be right oh i don't want to put anyone out like that like weirdly politeness Like the weird politeness that just then allows a whole bunch of like rude behavior to continue. And finally, the patriarchy. Yeah, and like let's be real, sports are very patriarchal and like racist, and so they're they're set up uh, to maintain a certain power structure, which is generally older white men. And so it's like yeah, you're you're coming up against some sometimes the most conservative elements of our society. So it's like no matter what you say that's going to be a scandal to them so my next question to alice was centered around the topics people do speak on are the limits to where and when people should speak on social issues has to be coming from an authentic place in order for it to be you know worth you standing in behind because the worst thing that can be is just like people saying things because what they're popular now to (laughs) to to get in behind um and i think there's elements of that where you do see like the things that people are more comfortable to like kind of stand up and speak in support of are generally things that are more like socially safe um, yeah. or acknowledged as areas that we all should be yeah, absolutely. doing more um, versus the you know the fringier edges or like the newer ground in terms of social justice that we're trying to break. It's harder for people to speak in that space yeah. because it's riskier. And given that athletes may be less inclined to speak on the more difficult topics, we still don't see much discourse around some of the contributing factors to the generally safe topics that athletes and other people alike do talk about. What we're less inclined to do though is, and I will use the unpack, we're less inclined to <laughs> unpack the, uh, the layers below that, right? Which is like, cool, so we might speak in support of uh, our rainbow community, but are we acknowledging the fact that our local club environments are still a really unsafe space for that. Are we also separating, separating off the T of the LGB um, and, and having an issue with trans athletes playing? Like These are still very real issues and you'll see less people using their platform to speak in support of trans athletes, but they'll be fine about uh, you know, supporting their family members that are maybe getting married to in a same-sex relationship. So it's like the areas in which we can push the boat. And that's not to say that people shouldn't support those things, right? But the same thing with mental health. It's like, let's look at what are the things that contribute to your mental well-being too. If you're a woman and you're playing a male-dominated um, sport, it's pretty rough on your mental health to be operating in that space because yeah. you're told immediately as you step in when you're given kit that's made for a man and that you have to wear and you go into a club room that has got walls filled of old dudes and there's nothing of you in that space and you could I say woman you can translate that as well to Pacifica men to Maori men uh, you know you have to lop off so many parts of yourself to fit into that space that's not good for your mental well-being yeah but we won't talk about that but we will say that it's okay to ask for help <laughs> Following that, she systematically, part by part, 
deconstructed the athletes aren't paid to be role models narrative. Look, this is a tension point that people have, right? Because they say, oh, well, you're not paid to be a you know role model like nonsense because you already occupy that space like I just saw um, uh, there was a thing on Sky last night and Liz Elder who's the current captain of the Black Ferns she was saying you know what the black jersey represents to boys is hope and what the black jersey represents to girls is power right and so it's like if you're standing in that position and you're offering hope to those kids you actually have a responsibility to talk about all of those things. And yeah. the same way, if you're a woman and you're standing in that space, you have a representative, like you have an obligation with that responsibility comes the obligation as well to be really empowering those girls. Like that's what your job is. It can't just be to play the game. Like part of your, your you go to school visits. Yeah. You are a brand ambassador. Like you are representing things. People are already buying parts of you yeah. to represent their value set. So you're already selling values. And so why would you not stand up for your values as well? Like that is what you're just going to sell them. You're not going to feel them. <laughs> Ultimately though, and this is a fear of mine, what if we found out that they have trash opinions and horrible takes? Okay, let me unpack that instead of just throwing slander at them. What if we find that our athletes wouldn't advocate for your human rights? don't care about global warming and pay no mind to the daily injustices going on in New Zealand. And that is the risk. And you're already seeing that as well. Like people like Israel Folau, right? Who loses his Australian rugby contract because he says terrible things about yeah. homosexuals, you know? And this is, the reality is like, yeah, you're gonna be disappointed. <laughs> but I would rather know. I yeah. would rather know who those people are and, and be like, I'm not gonna buy your jersey because you don't represent what I thought you did. Yeah. Because if we don't, they're just an empty shell that we're projecting our hope or our power onto, yeah. right? And we're putting it into that and we're thinking this is what they represent and they're being slippery on it because really that person, if they were in the room, they wouldn't advocate for you. They might look like they represent what you need them to, but if it came to it, they're not really there for you. Mm. And it's like, that's gross, man. <laughs> like, so yeah, I would rather know who I'm actually safe to be around yeah. and who I'm actually safe to approach. If we're having a, a real conversation about an issue, I'd want to know who my allies are. Who can I reach out to across um, certain issues? Because yeah, is it better to know when nobody stands? I don't know. That feels like uh, wigglier. I don't like it. <laughs> And moving towards the end of the interview, I asked Alice whether this should actually be an expectation of our athletes. I think we already do. Um, and if, if we don't get it, we turn off, which is why men's rugby is losing relevance in our culture. Like people are less inclined to get amongst it because they aren't connected to it. Like what relevance does this have to me as a young player? Like if I don't play the game and I don't know these people, why would I care about this? Yeah. I'm going to go to other sports where I can see not just, I'm not just rooting for a team. You're rooting for the individuals. Like, yeah. that's why, um, like, NPC is still a popular, or like, Heartland Rugby is still a popular thing because people are like, that's tangible. I know those people. You know and as we finished up, Alice shared some powerful words that I just had to find a way to include in the episode. I couldn't really find a way to seamlessly do it, so I just chucked it in at the end. But get organized because there is power in your collective voice. And so you won't be alone. And as soon as you do start standing up and speaking out, 
not only does that let other people like see you for who you are, that also lets other people come around you, you know, and then you get to be uh, like old Mari Black spoke about, you get to be the signpost, not the weather vane. Like you're not just blowing any way that popularity goes, you get to be like, this is the line in the sand, this is who I am. And this is the, you know, I think you told me was the good line last time around the difference is, is that when it comes to, when you're at your height of power and you can, and you're in that top jersey or whatever, you can speak then, and that is always going to be more powerful than you when you're a retired player, because people will just start saying sour grapes, whatever else. Yeah. But if you speak when you're in it, you're never going to regret that. Like, you will never regret that. You will regret not speaking. Absolutely. You will re regret all the personal compromises that you've had to make in terms of cutting parts of who you fundamentally are to fit into a system that is not designed for you. And just think how many other people are not doing that, how much talent that we lose mm. from these spaces because they're not willing to conform. So if you start breaking that, like nobody will ever regret speaking out. Like yeah. you forget, you regret the things you don't say, not the things you do. See what I mean? Poetry snaps all round. So big thanks to Alice for taking the time out to speak to me. Allegedly, the tech failed the first time, so we had to record it a second time, but for legal reasons we'll say that didn't happen. And I just wanted to add a little soliloquy at the end of the episode from myself. We've obviously focused on athletes for this episode, but truthfully, and I'm pretty confident in saying that Alice would agree with me, activism is in all of us. It's the inherent feeling in your heart that you want to improve the world. So if you have something to say, say it. As someone who is fortunate enough to have a platform where I can speak my mind, it's freeing. There's no other way to describe it. Now, if you'd like to see more of Alice Soper's words, head to her Instagram, at Alice Soapbox. And for more from Unpack, head to at UnpackNZ, also on Instagram. This is the first of a three-part series where I essentially speak my ish about topics I want to talk about. Coming up next week, stag do's. I'll see you then.